Hello, you're listening to Sarah Archer and episode 132 of the Speaking Club podcast. I wanted to encourage my friend Sandra to try something new during lockdown, so I sent her a link for an online art class. She texted me back a photo of her husband with the message, Thanks, lovely, but the only thing I'm good at drawing is the short straw. I started this podcast for two reasons. Because I want to help people recognise the power of stories and humour in speaking, and because I believe it's your message that counts, not the number of ums and ahs you use. There are some organisations that want to create robot speakers. They want you to sacrifice your personality in order to speak perfectly. But I want to let you know that you can be yourself and a sensational speaker. So, if you want to be a speaker that connects and engages authentically through stories, a speaker that gives value as well as a great performance, then welcome home. Hey, I hope you're well and thanks for joining me again on The Speaking Club. I am chuffed to bits to have Patty Dobrovolsky joining me today because I know that you're going to love her stories and the three keys she's going to share that could potentially unlock that future that might always have seemed just out of reach. And Patty has had her ups and downs, but as is so often the way, one of her biggest failures led to her discovering a new passion and her true path. To help people harness the power of visual goal setting to bring their dreams into existence. Having her as a guest on the show happened because she reached out to me and made a powerful pitch that had all the right ingredients. She got me excited about what she could bring to you and made it easy for me to say yes. As I mentioned in the last show, this was very refreshing because so many people contact me and get it badly wrong. If you want to make podcast interviews part of your speaking and business growth strategy, and I think you should, and you want to avoid making the mistakes that can sabotage your chances of success, then I'd recommend the workshop that I'm going to be running very soon. I'm going to take you step by step through creating your brand building podcast interview strategy the right way. And at the end of the workshop, you'll leave with that strategy or your money back. Now, this workshop is $97, but if you get the early bird pricing before the 25th of August, you'll get it for just $47. So to find out more and book your space, go to saraharcher.co.uk slash interview. Right then, let's switch over now to my interview with the wonderful Patty Dobrovolsky. So welcome to the Speaking Club, Patty Dobrovolsky. Yes, I can't believe I'm here. I'm so excited to be here. I just, I love your platform and what you're doing and helping people to get, get it out there. Come on, let's do yeah. it. That's cool. And I'm really chuffed to have you on the show. It's going to be a good one, I think. So I want to know, first of all, the story of how you ended up doing what you do today. Okay. Well, um, I was an actor. You know, I wasn't really an actor. I was a performance artist, right? So, you know, for people that aren't familiar with performance art, you probably know that. But, you know, it's like bad mime. And then you put an old video together and then uh, do a rap song and then you subject an audience to it. And that's what I did, you know, because I couldn't when I would audition, I wouldn't get chosen because I looked so weird back then. So, you know, when I was an actor, that's like how many years ago, 30 years ago, 35. So I really um, was an anomaly in that system. Right now I'd be 
you know, it, I'd look like everybody else. So I, uh, one of my friends came up to me after a show and said, you know, you really should take some acting lessons. Why don't you go to New York? And I was like, instead of feeling hurt by it, I was like, okay, I will. So I go to New York and I get to stay with a Broadway actress, Dale Souls, who's in Orange is the New Black. Oh, yeah. And she was an amazing actor. And, you know, when I would come home from my acting classes, which she helped me get into, I would hear her singing upstairs, you know, up the fourth floor walk up. I'd hear her singing to herself on Broadway, right? You know, her song that was had come out, right? And so I got obsessed with Broadway while I was there. And I wasn't there that long. I was there for a summer. And then I went back to Seattle where I lived and I continued to, you know, schlep burritos at Mama's Mexican Kitchen and do all that stuff. But in my head, I would fantasize about being on Broadway and all the things she had taught me, you know, like uh, where the opening night party should be at Tavern on the Green and who would be great to meet and, you know, to, to envision that and um, what it was like to go behind the, uh, the, in the stage door and stand behind the curtain on Broadway, you know. And I could feel the feeling of it, and I would replay that all the time in my head. And then this weird thing happened, like all my shifts dried up, I didn't have any work, and, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do. I'm knocking door to door to see if I can rake people's yards to make some money to pay my rent, right? And I get this audition call, which I never do because I'm so weird, right? And I get an audition call for performance artists. They want them. And so I go down there and I audition and I'm not that great. They want a dancer really. And I don't know how to dance, but I do some weird routine and then I kill myself on stage in front of them in true performance art fashion. And I get into the show and then the show goes to the main stage of the Seattle rep. And then Six months later, it goes to the Kennedy Center in New York. And six months later, it goes to Broadway. Wow. An opening night party is at Tavern on the Green. You know, I get to meet, you know, I don't meet Lily Tomlin, but I meet Steve Martin, Robin Williams, and all these things happen. So I was like, how did that happen? You know, I was obsessed with it. And so I began to study how inner visioning helps you. And then... Years later, after I have an artistic break and I get become a drama therapist and all this stuff, I'm sitting at a business meeting and a guy gets up and he draws a picture of what we're talking about. And suddenly, like this inner vision and outer vision idea just collided. And so I realized that if I drew a picture of my future, I could accelerate it happening. So I began to test it and really. Honestly, 25 years later, that's really what I do. I go into big companies. I draw a picture of the future. I show people in my TED Talk, Draw Your Future. I show people how an individual can use an illustration and put it in front of you, even if you can't draw, and accelerate what's happening and make change happen more quickly for you and step into the dream. And that's that's really my story. Wow. That's brilliant. So how, I guess, in a way, you've done it. So you... In a sentence, you bring you accelerate people's dreams coming true. Is that is that fair? Yeah, I help people understand that if you put a picture in front of you that you've drawn of the future and you take action on it, small action, not big action, small action every day, you accelerate that pace of you achieving those things 42%. So you have that bigger ratio because the picture 
it activates something called the RAS, which is your reticular activating system, right? And so, you know, if you put a picture of something in front of you that you really want, your brain will sort and sift for that picture all the time if you fill it with love and you take action on it, then, you know, stuff happens. It's it's crazy. Do you think that, I mean, a lot, obviously a lot of people use vision boards, which is a similar thing. Do you think there's yeah. more power in this because people are drawing it themselves? Well, you know, I think whatever you can do, like some people are so intimidated by drawing because um, it reflects you, right? So everybody says, in, in all those people that watch my TED Talk, 99% of them wrote, my drawing skills suck. And that's what's true, you know. For all of us who stopped drawing when we were five, they do. But if you draw your picture yourself, it creates a somatic connection to it in your body. And that whatever you feel as you're doing it, it cements it into your your memory, your hippocampus, in a way that it pulls that slide up every time you think about, what am I doing next? And up comes the slide. And you go, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm doing. And The other thing is if you put that picture up, that's the key. You have to put it up and use your um, imagination, which is your creative genius. You know, that's your skill set. That's what we're born with is this imagination that can create and concoct. Well, you're an actor, so you understand. We create and concoct all kinds of things with our imagination. But that imagination is way more powerful than we give ourselves credit for or understand. Yeah, it's really interesting. So I'm, I have a vivid memory. I, I had uh, my daughter and I put on so much weight um, and I decided I was going to sort of lose it. So I, I would go out running and sort of, but as I was running in my head, I had this picture all the time of me going to a store and reaching up for a, a particular size. And yeah. it was so clear and it kind of, Beautiful. you kept me, I mean, I didn't draw it, but the power of that, you know, it sort of stuck with me how powerful that was. And so I can imagine it would have been even, even better if I could have actually had drawn, drawn yourself, it. you know, and uh, putting it on, wearing yeah. it and people yeah. saying, you know, like I, I asked people, you know, so will you write next to it, write what people are saying to you? Like, oh my God, you look fantastic. How did you do that? right? So you become this role model and that you, you just keep inserting those things into your brain. Cause I mean, the truth about your brain is it's, it's a machine and you can train it to work for you. And people forget that they think they're, mm, and become victimized by their brain because they don't understand everything you see and watch embeds itself in your memory. And the more fantastic or, or scary or whatever, the more feeling it pulls up in you, the, the louder it is in your memory. So you have to be kind of careful, like where you put your attention. attention. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And is there any synergy? I'm also a big fan of the law of attraction. I've only just started sort of dabbling with that. in manifestation. Yeah. I would imagine yeah. this also works very well with manifesting or you know it's a it feels like it could be an important part of that puzzle too it is and I think that we you know uh, people they'll often write things you know people send me notes all the time and they're like this is like the secret and I'm like well it's no secret what's true <laughs> is this is our God-given talent you know we were born with 
um, with possibility and anything you want being in that possibility, right? And all you have to do is work with yourself on a on an inner level, not just an outer level of the things you do out here, but it's the quiet place inside that actually drives you stepping into what it is. You know, you until you dial down the limiting beliefs that you've got and dial up your confidence and your belief that anything is possible, once that happens, you know, you're golden. And so no matter what comes your way, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I guess that I'm supposed to learn that thing. So instead of saying, why didn't, you know, I remember when I wanted to become a speaker, you know, I'd be like, well, shoot, I I put my resume up. I'm, I sent something in to somebody, you know, I'd done like three things. And then I was like, I wanted it to happen overnight because I had, you know, had a picture and I realized, oh, you know, it's me. I'm interfering with it. I'm going to step out there more. I'm going to hone myself and get my myself ready so that when I step on that TED stage, that people go, holy cow, that was fantastic, right? And and anywhere it is that you want to be, you you need to envision it, but you also got to do the work here to get yourself there. It, you know, it's really, um, I think, you know, there's all these quotes about chance and luck and all that, but what's true is it's about hard work and opportunity coming together at the same time and that you're ready to step into the fullness of yourself. I Don't you think? That. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, if you, I think there is a bit of a false appetizing going on with the secret a little bit, the things just don't appear. Um, you have to take that inspired action that you're talking about uh, yeah. aligned with that vision of what you want. Right, right. And the people, yeah, the people who have the best success with drawing a picture, right? So in, in that um, TED Talk, my first TED Talk, Draw Your Future, you look at where you are, you draw pictures and words of that. Then you look at where you want to be a year from today um, around whatever it is you're focusing on, relationship or work or, you know, education or career And then you come up with the three boldest things that you can do to get there. Um, But what's true is the people that are the most successful that actually email me the next day after a session or watching something or doing a, you know, I do a five-day free challenge, draw your future so that I get as many people as I can around the world doing it. And, And they'll write these things like, oh my God, that happened right away. Well, that is part of it is you're prepared for that. So the people who are open, ready, believe, and have done some of the work to get there, those things, boom, they'll happen right away. Uh, and some things are just magic. Like one time I was in a session, I was giving a talk to, I think it was like a women's business organization in some city. And it was a mixture of age. So there was some millennials there and there were some people who were, you know, um, a lot older, seasoned business people, business women. And so this one um, girl raised her hand. I said, does anybody want to share what's, what your experience has been? So this one young girl, she, she raised her hand. She goes, I wanted to go into branding. I wanted to work in a branding. And so I put on that. Um, branding for Target, because Target in the U.S., you know, is a big shop. It's got like all kinds of things, and their branding is often very cool. You know, they do some interesting 
um, you know, campaigns. And so she put, she, that was her on the right side of her map in that desired future. Well, she said, and so I start to talk and share with the woman sitting next to me. And guess what? She works in branding at Target. Oh, my goodness. And so, you know, like those things, that happens more yeah. often than we ever are realize is possible. And part of it was her courage to share her vision. You know, you've got to have courage and you've got to get it out there. If you want to get on stage, you got to get your stuff out there. Know that your story is unique to you. Nobody's going to tell it, right? I'm sure you you talk about this. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, if you want something, you got to put it out there, you know, ask people. It's, yeah. it's that six degree of separation. Don't you think they're right there? Yeah. They're ready yeah. to help you. That's brilliant, Patty. Well, I can imagine, how long ago did you start this off? Because I'd imagine at the time you started, it perhaps was a bit of a new thing, but unique. Did you encounter any challenges, either internal, like you doing it, uh, or external and getting it off the ground? Yes. Well, um, first I saw this guy draw in the room. And then my friend, Michael, who he's the one that said to me, I was a drama therapist. He's like, you're never going to make any money as a therapist. And part of that was because I was such a bad therapist. I'd be like, you have a drinking problem. Quit drinking. That guy is bad for you. Leave him. You know, and my notes got subpoenaed. My my supervisor slept with a patient. I had to turn her into the hospital. All these things happened when I was a therapist. And so he was like, you need to come in business with me. So I came into business with him. But let me just say that... um, Then, you know, we were working as consultants for this small change management company, and they were very innovative at the time. They were doing some amazing things. And the the two leaders of that, they were kind of crazy and really brilliant. Do you know what I mean? And so um, I saw that guy draw and Michael says to me, you know, let's get you an internship with somebody. There's only four people that he knew at that time in the world who were doing it. So I worked with one of them, Janet Schatzman. She's just out of control, so good in her strategy and thinking. And I trained with her. And then, you know, um, they all got mad at me because I moved to Denver a year later for some some girl. You know, this was just <laughs> my thing. And I moved there. And, um, and then I met a woman who was also an illustrator like that, a live illustrator. And I didn't know how to draw. You know, I had to teach myself how. I was a poster girl in high school, so I had good lettering, you know, but I couldn't draw anything. But she was actually a really excellent artist, Janine. And so we started this company um, in Denver. And everybody, I was in San Francisco before that, Michael and Janet, they were all mad at me. They're like, why didn't you stay here and work for us? You know, I was like, nah, I got to do my own thing, right? But then I had to pitch that that it was a good thing to draw a picture. So uh, in business, I would I would like go in and do it for free. You, I can't, you can't even imagine. I, this is me, I'm in New York, I'm going into one of those big financial firms and I'm gonna draw a picture for them of you know where their company is, where they want it to be, or this section of the company in three bold steps. You know, I'm doing this template. And I, you know, at the end of it, they say, thank you very much. Yeah. I don't think we, we don't need your services at this time, but if you could leave that illustration, that'd be great. And that happened to me so many times because they didn't understand the value of it. Now everybody understands, you know, it's commonplace. And so I feel like I'm lucky to have been a leader in the field, 
you know, and, um, and kind of, I add the diversity section as of that leadership yeah. uh, in, in San Francisco. And I was really lucky to work with such fantastic mentors who helped me. And still, you know, I work with, um, you know, artists in, in their shop, like Scott Ward is a painter and he like draws just amazing. So I'll hire him to help me, you know, put the picture together for the client and stuff. But um, when I'm speaking, I really am showing people how to draw their future justice process. But in my regular work, which is very diverse, um, I draw the picture of the future that a company wants yeah. and let that um, be the place. But that was very challenging to pitch that, you can imagine. Yeah. And my self-esteem around my drawings, I'd be like, oh, my God, that looks so crappy. And people would say to me, like, can you draw a picture of that car in the DeLorean in Back to the Future? And I'd be like, you know, this was before you had a cell phone with Google. I'd be like, can you draw me a picture of what that looks like? Because I don't even know what you're talking about. And then they'd draw it. And then I would draw a bad version of that, you know. Or I'd, I'd put something, I'd just put cat next to an object. Point at it. That's a cat, <laughs> right? So, yeah. That's, that's really cool. I'm surprised you didn't know about the DeLorean, though. That's a... I know isn't that crazy I just didn't you know now I now I'm married to a car hound and she knows every car and everything and I'm like oh yeah I know what a DeLorean is now mind you I'm sure it'd still be quite challenging to draw um yeah yeah with this little wings going up like that you know that's that's not easy no 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 cool well I'd love to hear before we go into the sort of a bit more of the nitty-gritty of the of the method can you tell me you know some of the success stories um, that your work's influenced? Yeah, there's a couple of things. I actually pulled up a story uh, that a woman sent me. Um, she was working up in um, up in the mountains when outside of Colorado. This was recent. And she wrote, wrote me this. She said, Patty, I had to track you down so I could tell you everything on my vision board has happened. I'm living in Telluride, just started a job with an HR consulting company based in Denver, and I'm working remotely. My student loans are almost paid off and ski season is about to begin. Thank goodness, you know, my friend Don Delaplane had brought me into her company. Thank goodness Don brought you in so we could all start living our best lives. And, you know, this is a common story that I get where people will just draw a picture and, you know, you'll think, oh, yeah, I'm just drawing that pretty picture. And then, but if you continue to focus on it and and other stories um, that, um, that people have sent me are, you know, being in a bad relationship and needing to get out and finding a way to move to a different city and, and start a new life. Those are, or, or a guy wrote me from um, Portugal and he said, um, you know, I'm, I have been living my mom's dream and now I'm living my own. And so like that. And I've been working this year. I started to uh, actually last year, I started to work with, the DeBruce Foundation out of Kansas City. And that was, they do, they expand economic pathways for people of color. And they are really interested in, in making that happen and a reality. So they created something called the Agilities Profiler. And you can take it online. You just go to agilities.org and it tells you your top three agilities or strengths, right? And um, all of those strengths are found in work, any kind of work, right? And they, 
And when you know what your top agilities are, it builds your confidence to understand, I can handle this challenge using this agility, or this is what I'm going to try to do, right? And so when I met them, somebody hired me, just this woman, I was in a marketing seminar, and she said, you need to come and draw their future. Will you come and do it? I'm not going to tell them I'm paying you, but I'm paying you. I go, okay. So I go there, and it's the most incredible group of people. They're from D.C. It's one of the most diverse, knowledgeable. One of the guys marched with Martin Luther King. You know, it was just unbelievable. And they were really committed to it. So I drew a picture of their future. And at the end of it, the executive director said to me, we need to partner. Because once you know your agilities and then you draw your future, you set yourself up for success. So now I've been working, I trained a whole group of facilitators to go into the schools there in Kansas City. And last year, um, before COVID, of course, up until COVID, they ran these Draw Your Future sessions in classrooms, high school classrooms. And they have had just great response on kids understanding better what the future could look for them. And I think that that I'm interested in that because I think many, many young people feel like they don't know what to do next. And I think if if you're stuck in a dead-end career, it's another thing that happens. You get stuck there. You don't realize it, how to get out. So there you are in that dead-end job, and you're thinking to yourself, now what, right? Well, if you actually just spend time focusing on the qualities and the characteristics you want to feel a year from today, then Reality will close the gap for you. Life will close the gap. It will show you what the next career step is, what you're supposed to do next. All you have to do is pay attention. So when when kids, often high school, they're like, I don't know what I want to do in the future. I'm like, I don't care if you know what you want to do. I want you to know what you want to feel and experience and put that there and then Watch the magic of how life will align you to your true purpose. I love that. It just I just got a little sort of picture in my head of you know that when you sort of give people that that themselves they pick up the pencil or the pen, it's almost like having a line into their inner compass. I do believe that we you know we do know at a at a certain level what we're meant to do, but we lose touch with that that yes. purpose. And it's yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, uh, Glennon has her book out, Untamed, right? And yeah. it just gets drummed out of us. Yeah. You know, it gets drummed out of us, and then we have to become part of the zoo. Yeah. And once we're in the zoo, then we behave as the zookeeper, whoever they are, you know, parents, teachers, you know, whatever, what they, whatever they want from us. So we forget yeah. our purpose, and we lose sight of, you know, I'm, you know, I'm in this world, but not of it. That yes. that idea that you are meant to be here at this time, like this is why it's so exciting. You and I and everybody, we're meant to be here during this time. So what is our calling? What are we supposed to do? Because mm-hmm. we all need to do something different, right? Yeah. And step up our game and take care of each other in a way that I think that our parents' parents maybe did. Um, when they, back in the old days, you know, old school, I think that's what we need to see a bigger picture of that, realize we're all in this together. Brilliant. Yeah, I think that's lovely. Cool. Well, now you do talk about the three keys to success. 
And I wondered if you could share what they are and how people can use them to bring their dreams to life. Sure. The key number one is uh, get a piece of paper (laughs) and draw a picture of what it is that you want. You know, get your critic out of the way, but do that. Draw a picture, bad picture, it doesn't matter. Words, images, all the things, full color. And then ask yourself where, if I'm right here, what are the three boldest things? So number one is you get the vision. Number two, you figure out your action plan. Bold, Not not a little tiny thing. Don't rearrange your file cabinet or whatever it is, clean your house. It's not about that. It's that you've got to quit that job or you've got to, you know, start your own business or you've got to figure out what your platform is so that you can speak about it, right? Um, or you got to volunteer somewhere where you think is an opening for you, something you'll learn. And that's step two is you have to act. And the third thing is you have to really live that. You have to believe it's possible. And then act as if it is happening right now. Because your brain doesn't know the difference between past, present, and future. You drew that picture of the future. It now believes you live there. It is going to align everything to that picture. The more you focus on it, put your attention on it, believe in it, help yourself work through any resistance you have to, that you deserve that. You know, work with those limiting beliefs around value or love or how you look, all that stuff. You got to drop it away so that your true sense steps into it. And then once you do that, that's that's the secret sauce of success, really. I love that. That is that's a great formula because you're absolutely right. Our, our, our thoughts create our reality. And it just feels like what you're doing is, is helping people to just really have that clarity and and be in action and make it happen. And that's that's brilliant. Love that. So very clear, yeah, very clear you. steps there. Yeah. Cool. Now, this is the speaking club. And yeah. I imagine that speaking speakers unite (laughs) exactly I would imagine that speaking is a big part of your work but how does it fit in and how has it helped you to grow your brand and business well you know the biggest thing that happened to me was you know I I wanted to be a speaker and I wore that like I looked at the videotape of my very one of my very first talks and I'm wearing like this pink shirt you know coat and I like I'm all buttoned up I got this little I don't have a skirt on but it's close to it you know so I'm totally in drag for me and um, one of the things that I did was I started to hone who I was I got to really know what made what I was doing unique and then um, I wrote a book about it and that but that book I self-published, right? Mm-hmm. And so I didn't need anybody else to do that. I just needed to get it together, finish the book, which was challenging in itself, right? Mm-hmm. But then I had a platform, which you don't have to have to speak, but you need to understand what your message is and how you're different from everybody else. And so I got that book and it was going to roll out and be published. And um, a small miracle happened where I had a speaking agent who actually, I just called her and I said, hey, I'm a speaker and I wonder if you'd represent me in the Seattle area. And she said, sure. You know, what do you do? I said, well, I'm very unusual. I draw pictures of people's vision of the future. And she's like, "Mm, that sounds very cool. She goes, you really need to hone it and get your website together. God, 
that looks terrible. And I go, okay. So I did that. But then she helped me. Um, she pitched me to TEDx Rainier, which is where I did Draw Your Future. Mm-hmm. So I looked for a TEDx stage because I think for many people, you know, TEDx, when it's well promoted, yes. can become a fantastic platform for me. And the, the way that they get you prepared now, they didn't back then. I was all my own. I had to get some of my acting um, coaches to help me, you know, like Nancy Cranborn. I'm like, Nancy, you got to help me be funny here because it's not funny. She goes, well, put in this thing about, you know, that mullet, that'll get people. And I go, okay. So, you know, she rehearsed me and rehearsed like the holy hell out of that talk. And so when I stepped on that stage, I nailed it. And that talk then didn't even get so much visibility. Like I'd watch it and I'd be like, oh, we're up to 40,000. I thought that'd be fantastic. Well, then my social media, two years, three years go by, social media person goes, hey, Patty, you know, on a weird channel, you became best of 2015. I go, you're kidding. She goes, four million people have watched that talk. I go, no, really? I go, that's just everybody's talk. She goes, no, it's your talk. And that, changed everything because people find me as a speaker. That's my preferred method. You know, I can go in and facilitate and help you make change in your company, which is great. And I love doing that because I'm a drama therapist, right? So I love your drama. I'll help you. And we'll get a good picture at the end that you can live with and communicate. Um, But to speak about things that matter is really key. And so that is, you know, 80% of my work is about speaking even if I'm uh, just doing online classes, which I do now, you know, I do, uh, I'm doing a free class in September on the 5th of September called Flip Your Fear and Crush the Virtual Stage. And it's an online class for an hour where I'll teach people, you know, how people are so scared of being in yeah. front of this camera. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. You're, you're not afraid and I'm not afraid, but we're actors, right? Yeah. So you have to have some um, courage to do it. And there are simple tricks, as you know, that will help people get there. So in that, I give the seven tips. But I think that um, that piece of it, you know, it helps with my brand. And I do blogging and vlogs and, you know, all, all this virtual stuff. I give a lot of things away and then I train people enjoy your future so that you can take it and use it in your coaching practice. And I know you're good at it. And then I have a platform for all of those coaches around the world to communicate with me. And I don't, I don't take money from you. I don't take a 10% referral fee when you use the process. I don't care about that. I want people around the world to know how to draw their future. I I don't, it's not, it's not rocket science. I just want you to do it. Right. And so that I've done a certification program and drawing too. I teach people how to draw. But I really think that, um, you know, speaking, there is no better way to share what you have to give with the world than through speaking it, speaking your truth. And we need it right now, don't you think? Absolutely. And I I love there are a couple of things there that you mentioned that I just want to sort of pick up on. First of all, you, you talked about... Um, you know, almost like being someone else on stage. And I encounter that a lot with sort of clients and students that they'll sort of start off in this presenter mode, thinking that they need to be a certain way and, you know, and uh, either look or whatever. 
but it is about finding your authentic persona. As much as it is in sort of performance art and comedy, the same, I believe, is true in speaking. And it sounds like you had to find that first uh, to feel comfortable yourself as a speaker because it's you up there essentially, isn't it? That's right. And and you are perfect as you are. Absolutely. And I think that's part of it is we, you know, even when I was, you know, I'd given a big talk for Lufthansa last year and I was... I realized I was wearing like a really weird shirt. After I watched the video, I'm like, why didn't you wear that weird shirt? And I'm like, well, I was sick. I didn't feel very good. I probably wasn't making good choices, right? But I think part of it is you have to be comfortable in your own skin. You have to know it's okay, like you do in your TED Talk. You know, you share your story. And you share, you know, that you went from this marriage to you know, same-sex relationship. And I was like, she's my sister from another life right there, <laughs> you know, and, and that you were doing things around speaking. And I think this authenticity uh, is the most valuable thing. I was watching the Democratic Convention last night, Michelle Obama, you know, mm-hmm. and she is one of the most authentic speakers. I've seen her live and in person, and she's just so, um, aw- she's not going to, you're not going to get any BS from her. No. And that's what you want. Yes. You want to share your message and be fearless yeah. because your fearlessness is what is needed right now. Yeah. Absolutely. We can't be afraid to say what we truly feel inside. And you have to, you can't, you have to let go of the critic. You know, like if in that 4 million people, there are comments, 42,000 comments, right? And I would say, like, there are so many negative comments in there that I, of course, had to read. I don't know what I was doing, you know, but I wanted to see why didn't people find it successful. And and what's true is you you have to let that stuff in and not in you. You just leave that, um, as Glennon Doyle would say, you leave it in the mailbox. You don't bring that trash mail into your house. You bring this stuff into your house, meaning you, you bring the stuff in, the feedback that will help you grow. Yeah. And, and that's really important as a speaker. People are going to give you all kinds of feedback, but your discernment is really critical. Like you have to listen and find a way to tune, turn up your intuition, your imagination, all the creative genius elements, turn them up so that you turn out the noise because you're, and, and make sure your critic isn't in there too, because your critic will go crazy on you. And then yeah. you'll be like, I can't do that. It didn't go well. It was your first time. So, ah, you know, you've got to go, yep, that was my first time. I'll never have to do it a first time again. That's what I say to myself, you know, when the audiences would grow in size yeah. and it'd be 1,200 people, I'd say to myself backstage, after you do this tonight, you'll never have to do the first time for 1200 people again, you know, and then, then you just raise the bar for yourself and that's what you want to do. Absolutely. That's, that's brilliant stuff. And then the other thing I just wanted to pick up on was some people now say that TED talks are, you know, no good. There's so many of them, but I actually believe that if they are still great for you to use as a speaker, if nothing else to set a date, but also to create a talk, and really hone that talk. So I, I think they're still worthwhile to do. I don't know if you agree. Oh, I totally agree with you. I, you know, my friend Chaitra Vidula Pali, she runs Women in Cloud. It's a 
It's a way of expanding economic pathways for women all around the world. And she, um, you know, uh, she, she's from India and her language is not always perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but for her to be able to do TEDx um, Cherry Creek in, in Colorado, uh, you know, it totally boosted her speaking so that now, I mean, she was speaking at the UN. We went to the UN together to talk about how to make change, right, for women. And when she was at the UN at that podium, I was like, oh, my God. After she gave that TED Talk, it totally boosted her confidence. So if nothing else, do it for your confidence. And if you don't know how to get a TED Talk, just know that every city has a way for you to contact them to get it. And, and find them and then go through your network, your LinkedIn network or whatever network you've got and see who knows somebody that is on that committee so you can get them to pitch you. Because when somebody, you can pitch yourself always, but I've found when somebody else pitches you, you get in further. So they, they pitch you, like I've pitched this, my doctor just performed some surgery on me. I'm recovering. So I'm sitting down instead of standing up, but he he wanted the first thing he said to me on our first meeting with the doctor was i want to be a speaker i have something to say and i go all right i'll help you how can i help you you know and so i connected him with somebody in seattle at tedx rainier and said this guy or tedx seattle this guy has a story because his story was so compelling it's like oh my god you know you have to get that out there rohan that story is amazing right and so this is, this is use the people around you, ask them for help. Don't be afraid of that. We, we, we're here to serve each other. And people serve me, man, there's just like a long line of people who help me get to where I am. Don't you feel that way? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's, a, I heard this saying, which has stuck with me, uh, you can go fast on your own, but with other people, you can go further. So that's, yeah, it was that's, a big. That was written at the Gates Foundation. They would have that in the hallway. I love that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. No, that's a really great piece of advice. And I'll also, I'll also link in the show notes to. I think I did an episode ages and ages ago with all the ins and outs of TED talks and how to find them and so on. So I'll link to that as well for people to have a look at that. Cool. Okay. So based on your experience, then, what do you think is the most important thing? a speaker can do to help their message land with an audience apart from draw on stage. I know yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, that's such a great question because it's vital. I have a couple of tricks. Mm-hmm. Here's one. So I virtually meet my audience before I give my talk. I go into quietude, whatever it is, mindfulness, meditation, And I ask the audience, what do you need from me? What will help you to grow in this talk? And how can I bridge to your, where you are? And then I write down everything I get. You know, just like when I was an actor writing material, I would sit in meditation and ask the character to tell me these things. Same thing. The audience is available. They already exist, right? Time doesn't exist in the way that we understand it. So that audience is already out there waiting for you. Find out what they want and then take time on stage before you start to talk to connect to them inwardly. Feel the bridge build from you to the audience and from there on 
be yourself. Just be okay. yourself. Excellent. That's brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing all that wonderful stuff. Now, I'm going to come to how people can find you and perhaps get involved in the challenge and the, the free uh, workshop that you're doing. But before that, I have some standard questions, Patty. Um, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The ready. first one is, what is the best thing that speaking has done for you? The best thing speaking has done for me is um, got me back on stage. Cool. You know, I had stopped performing and it got me right back on stage. So for me, and it got my message out. And so it helped me build a bridge with what I have to offer to other people. Love that. Cool. And have you had what you might describe as your worst gig? Is there one, one that sticks in your mind? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have had gigs where I thought, well, that didn't go very well. <laughs> you know, where you walk off stage. And part of it was I was outside of my body. Do you know what I mean when I say that? Yeah. I was not fully present and um, they weren't either because the night before they had been drinking uh-huh. way too. It was in Australia. They'd all been drinking and I was the first speaker and it was like 8 a.m. Everybody's hung over and I go up there and I realize I'm going to have to talk to all these guys who are hung over about drawing their future. And I thought, hmm, interesting. So right away I was afraid And that fear interfered with me being able to be present. I just had to come back. You know, I kept saying, breathe through it. Come on, get out of there, critic, go on, you know. But then once I'm doing that, I'm not in the talk at all. It's just coming out of my mouth, rote form. You know what I mean? And when you're rote, it's just like being a performer on stage. If you're not fully present in the moment of the scene, it's not going to be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're uh, acting then, quote unquote, right? Yeah, absolutely. That, And it, it is tough to do. Anything can sort of trigger that. But yeah, trying just to stay connected to the audience and the moment is absolutely, you know, best best thing people can try and do. Hard though it can be sometimes. Brilliant. Thank you for that. Okay. What's the one book that you've read that's had most impact on your life and why? One book I've read, I think I'm going to talk about a book I read recently, which I think is an excellent book. It's called Limitless by Jim Quick, K-W-I-K. I've heard of it, yeah. He's a, he's a memory guy, you yes. know. And I, any, I'm on his email list and I get all his videos and stuff. But let me just say, I always watch him because I learned something. But when it, he's the one that really talked about the RAS. And he also... He talks about how important it is to memorize things and that you your belief that you can't memorize is what interferes with your being able to do, remember people's names. Oh, I can't. I can't remember anybody's name. I'm so sorry. What's your name? Like that. You know, yeah. that's what interferes. That, in fact, you can train your brain to remember everything. Like, and if you've ever seen him speak, like, he can have an audience of 300 people and he'll memorize everybody's name replay it at the end of the talk it's unbelievable and so for me having a tool like that to remember what it is that you dream for that you want that you lay awake you know in bed at night these things are important so I think he's got lots of tips in there and I love that book 
I will put a link to that in the show notes. And I think the most astounding thing about him is, from what I understand, I haven't read it, but I heard he had a brain injury. So yes. for him to be able to get to that point is astounding in itself. That's right. He totally overcame his challenge. It's unbelievable. Oh, brilliant. Thank you for that. Okay, what's the best piece of business advice you've had and why? Uh, the best piece of business advice I had was um, set your sights high for how much money you want to make. My friend Michael was a sales guy, and he, when I was first starting out, he said, now, how much money do you want to make next year? And I wrote down this little tiny number, and he's, he took that number and he quadrupled it. He said, that's the number you're going to make, and here's how you're going to do it. You're going to break it down by the months, then you're going to break it down by the client gigs, and then if you don't have a client and they aren't lined up, you're going to get on the phone and start calling people, and that's how you get work. And, you know, that stuck with me. So just know that those one-on-one calls with your clients are the ones that will seal the deal. They want you. They're not paying for what you're offering, honestly. They're paying for you. And once you realize that, you're going to get a lot further, a lot faster. Brilliant. That's fantastic. Okay, last question then. If you could have one mentor, and they can be alive or dead, fictional or non-fictional, who would you choose and why? I think I would really choose Oprah. I think I think actually she's like always been a mentor to me. So I'd love to meet her. Honestly, I'd love to meet her and tell her, you know, you're awesome and amazing. And these are the five things I learned from you. Right. In all those years that I watched her show, you know, um, I think that would be a great mentor. I wouldn't mind meeting Joan of Arc, though, too. I think oh, like yeah. to go be able to go into battle like that with your head held high and lead your whole team. Like, that's what I feel like right now you have to do. You have to find your tribe and lead them in to, to finding themselves so that they can spread their, their message of goodness and love throughout the planet. Well, you're really inspirational, Patty. So I'm, um, I'm pretty sure you won't have any problem uh, people following you. So <laughs> it's been, it's an absolute pleasure to talk to you. So if people want too. to... Thank you. Thank you. If people want to uh, book you to speak or to work with you one-on-one or do one of the courses, where's the best place for them to go? Well, you should just go to my website, upyourcreativegenius.com. Everything's there. You know, the slider will come out and say, sign up for my emails. And, you know, then there'll be, you know, send me a message. And I'm live. I'm on Wix, a Wix format. So it'll send me something and I'll contact you right away. If you send a note in there to info at, that's me. You're talking to me there. So I get that. It comes into my phone and I just like respond. So upyourcreativegenius.com. And then I have classes. They're on creativegeniusyou.com. I have a whole ton of different kinds of classes free. And there's stuff in there from classes I've done before that you can get in there and sort around, get some fun things. Brilliant. I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. And are you on social media, Patty? Of course. My I'm on Twitter by my name, P. Dobrovolsky. So D-O-B-R-O-W-O-L-S-K-I. And then Up Your Creative Genius on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, just my company name is there and you can follow me. And I'm that's me in there putting stuff up. I do have some helpers, uh, Robert and Emer, you know, on my team. Uh, they all... They all help me, David. All of them help get the word out. So, um, But feel free to contact me if you are interested in 
you know, being an ambassador, learning how to draw your future with other people, your clients, I'd love to help you be successful in your business. That's what I'm all about. It's empowering you to bring your best self to the world. Brilliant. That's wonderful. I'm sure people will go and check that out and hopefully come and say hello to you. And uh, that'd be fantastic. And I'll also put a link to your TED Talks in the show notes as well, because they're definitely well worth a look for. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sarah. You're so awesome. Listen, thank you so much again. And I wish you all the best. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Welcome. She's brilliant, isn't she? Well, I would recommend you checking out her TED Talks for more great content and to see her skill as a speaker. Also, go and say hi on social media. And if you want to draw your future, then go and check out the website where you can find out more. And don't forget, if you want to learn also how to start building your podcast interview strategy the right way, you can join me on my masterclass and you can find out more about that and book your space at saraharcher.co.uk slash interview as ever thank you so much for joining me i do hope you enjoyed that interview with patty and if you did and you like the show do take a couple of minutes to leave the speaking club a rating and review on apple podcast or wherever you're listening well i'm off to start my doodling have a fantastic week and don't forget to go out and grab your life by the nuts and get drawing Bye-bye. Snackable stories are short, powerful, engaging, and very shareable. Because of all that, they are great to use in Facebook Lives, podcasts, videos, keynotes, webinars, blogs, in fact, everywhere to share your message, build your audience, and grow your business. The trouble is that finding your snackable stories and confidently sharing them can feel like a struggle for many online entrepreneurs authors, experts, and coaches. And that struggle can slow you down or stop you in your tracks. That's where my seven-day snackable story challenge comes in. Because over the course of just seven days, I'm going to give you resources and training that will not only build your skills and confidence, but will get you a tangible result at the end and assets for you to use going forward. And the best bit is that all of it is completely free. To find out more, including if you meet the criteria to participate, then go to saraharcher.co.uk slash challenge right now.